Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish, and you can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it. We always ask these things because they're very important. Just tell somebody you like the show, you want them to listen to it, and you want to send us money directly. <laughs> wait, oh, little, wait, that's not it. I'll put the little Although, button on my Although, we will take my... your money. I'll put the little button on my Twitter feed and you can just give me, uh, <laughs> yeah, give yeah, me some tips. Yeah, pay, us, pay us through Twitter. I'm yeah. sure Elon will go. Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Great. Um, ben Wright is our guest today, hosts uh, Speedway Soccer Podcast and, of course, writes for Broadway Sports Media as well. Been around soccer scene in this city for a long time, of course. I, I would argue, and I would say this directly to Ben's face, the second best soccer podcast in the market. Club, <laughs> Club and Country is my favorite. No, they do a great job. And, and all these guys... Uh, a big part of today's show is non-traditional media and how it, it is so desperately needed, especially in markets like Nashville and for sports like MLS. We're going to talk a little bit about the Apple TV deal, which, of course, the season gets started on Saturday against uh, NYFC, I believe, right, at, uh, at Geodis Park. So um, the season is here, year number four. We talk about all that stuff uh, with Ben Wright, non-traditional media the Apple TV deal, the, frankly, the club heading into year number four. So we talk a lot, a lot of stuff with Ben Wright. Steve, before we do that conversation, however, I do have one quick rant on the radio side of things. We'll get to later on. We're going to get to a conversation about um, like what Apple's strategy is and if other sports are going to learn from what Apple is doing with MLS. Uh, but before we do, this podcast is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by the fine folks at Jaspers. Steve, um, I don't believe our partners and good friends at Jaspers enjoy being referred to as a-holes. <laughs> wow. I just am saying. You may I mean, or may... In you, fairness, you may, I don't enjoy referring being referred to as an a-hole. Well, you may or may not have referred to them as a-holes last week on the show. And then, of course... We got some some quarter zip text messages about it. <laughs> Wait, I refer. Oh, uh, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Go to Jasper's, everybody, where they're cool with you insulting them in the middle of the advertisement <laughs> that they're paying for. <laughs> That's how cool Jasper's is. I'm telling yeah. you. I'm telling you. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Free parking. You can watch the Preds self destruct uh, and lose players left and right. With three dollar beers and ten dollar smash burgers. Okay, uh, the game room will watch your kids too. By the way, so you know what's not cool? Mainstream radio. How's oh that god. Okay. Yeah. Good, good job. So one quick note here before we get to Ben. Great conversation with Ben. But I, 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 st I feel like we've talked about this enough that I hope that our audience understands this. But just in case you do not, I am. And and again, this speaks to why digital has grown so much, why non-traditional has grown so much, why podcasts have grown so much, and why sports talk radio as a distribution model is fucked. Okay? Here's the deal. And and I think you used a better phrase than, than I've ever used um, in the interview with Ben, which is when sort of like the way you execute the medium controls the content. And, and radio is not about what the host wants to talk about. It is not about his favorite sport in the market or her favorite sport in the market or his favorite player in the market. Certainly excellent, wonderfully amazing creative people can make non-interesting topics interesting. That is what makes someone talented. But that is not what makes you good at radio necessarily. Radio is about what the audience wants you to talk about. You, you tune off a show or tune into a show not because you agree or disagree with the host, not because he's talking or she's talking about what they want to talk about. You tune into a show because they are talking about what you want them to talk about, <laughs> which is what you care about as an audience member. They are trying to appeal to the broadest set of the audience. And right now, Nashville SC, Vanderbilt, and even the Predators to some degree, although we're getting into Predators territory where you're allowed to talk about them a little bit on the radio these, this time of year, especially considering their current state. Football. People want to hear football. Football appeals to the most amount of people, and so they're going to talk about football all the time. And for you soccer fans who are upset that you don't hear enough soccer talk on the radio, it's because there are not enough of you in the market to dominate ratings, and also, you don't want people who don't know about soccer to talk about your favorite product. 
that's what I was about to that that's what I was about to set you up with. Who in this market would you love to hear doing a deep dive on you know Gary Smith's use of two central midfielders <laughs> and and perhaps their scoring was uh, and at Nashville SC and why that may why that may prevent them from winning a championship. You're saying of the current radio hosts. Uh, who, I, I don't. I don't want to. Who would you love to hear? I don't want to do that. Do like a solid fifteen minutes on. Uh... Well, it's obviously Stillman. Um, I don't want to. <laughs> no, I don't want to pick the names out. Here's what I would say. I think Kaharski could do it. Well, Kaharski I, could absolutely do it. He's not I on mean, radio, but he's not on radio, radio anymore. Right now. Um, I think Will Bowling could obviously do it. Sure. Uh, I think he could do it. Um, and it's not a knock on anybody else, but I really don't think it's anybody other than really just Will. <laughs> yeah it's it's but it's not and it's again because what pays the bills is football football is what drives ratings football is what people want to talk about football 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 not vanderbilt basketball and jerry stackhouse not the nashville predators not nashville sc radio decisions are made about the audience not the host it is not what you, the host you know, wants you know to what talk i do about. want to do though I, I i want i want to get ron slay so hyped up about soccer that that Ron that Ron Slay goes like deep, goes like deep on Nashville SC one after well, and and honestly, what makes Ron Slay so talented is because he can make a, a Nashville SC interesting by just being Ron Slay. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. And that is and that is where the interest level and Stillman, frankly, would probably pick topics that would be the right topics to cover Nashville SC. Right, but it's but it's not going to be about like you know, who's going to take over for Dax McCarty long-term in the midfield. Like, that's not what's going to drive ratings. It's going to be, should Gary Smith be fired? Like, that's what's going to drive ratings. And that's what Stillman would do. And that's what you would tune in to listen to. Not you, the audience, but like you, the general pop. Gen pop bonus, in Nashville. Bonus news. They just re-upped Gary Smith for uh, his contract <laughs> through through 2025. So, and, and you want to know why radio is full of hot takes? Because it's a, how they get ratings. It's how the business works. All right. I feel better. We'll talk about Apple TV and the Pac-12 and Apple TV's model with the MLS and how it may look in other sports. Is it going to work in other sports? We'll get to all of that after our wonderful and amazing conversation with Speedway Soccer and Broadway Sports Media's Nashville SC reporter, Ben Wright. Ben, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Soccer is here in 2023. I'm sure you're doing great. Good to have you, man. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, this should be a fun time. And yeah, we have, what, three days before soccer starts again. So <laughs> I'm about to have no free time for the next 10 months. It's going to be you're, great. You're about to have a kid, so you're about to not have any free time <laughs> That's ever true. again. Yeah. So. Did I ever have any free time to begin with? No. That's what is this, number, this is number four, right? Four. Yep. Four. So no free, no free time and no sleeping. It's going to be a, it's going to be a and no money. Hey, uh, what a hey. great combination. It's All right. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, we uh, enjoy the next, next 14, 14 <laughs> I'll see years you guys of your in life. a decade. <laughs> um, no, uh, obviously with, with soccer here again. Uh, yeah. You're first of all, congratulations. Uh, uh thank you. Re redefining the term bar parking in the bus at the right, <laughs> at, at the right household. Um, parking the minivan. Yes. There you go. Uh, so I just, I want to get. I want to go back to sort of early soccer coverage in general. You did a great yeah. um, poll of soccer fans. I, I think that soccer fans have some things they need to understand about mainstream media still. Um, that yeah. that I that I that I gathered from your responses to that poll, but really interesting results, and we're going to dive into a lot of that stuff. But I want to kind of take it back to when you got started talking about this team, when people in the market started talking about soccer as a sport. Um, can you try to describe just how far we've come in the last, let's say, what window do you think we should use? Four to six years, eight to 10 years? What What's the window we should use and yeah. how far have we come? I'd probably go back to 10 years. Um, 2013 is when Nashville FC started. Um, and so I, I wasn't like involved when they initially started. I got in probably a year or two later. But I, I remember going to Vanderbilt lacrosse and watching an amateur team with maybe a thousand people. And then they moved into Vanderbilt's football stadium and we would get maybe, maybe three or four on a good day. And it was, I mean, it still just felt cavernous and, and empty. Um, so, so like to, a Vanderbilt football game. Oh, yeah, exactly. That, that right at home. Well. Yeah, there it is. Um, but, but no, I, I think that is where it really started. And I, I think there had maybe been a couple pieces like MLS on their throwing out on their website, like, Hey, this is cool. It's a, a fan owned team in Nashville, but it almost felt more like, 
maybe a novelty than anything else. Like it's just this plucky little group of fans who banded together and put their own team together. Um, then it really kind of started taking off when John Ingram got involved um, in the whole ownership group and started putting together what was a, a really long shot bid for MLS. Um, at, at that point, we kind of knew that 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 same ownership group was, was pushing for USL and they had got the USL team, but they hadn't even started playing. And so it was in the buildup to that 2018 season where we had all these Metro council meetings, trying to figure out stadium stuff. Um, that's, that's kind of where our podcast got started. M- myself, Jonathan Slate, Davey Shepard all ended up kind of sitting together in those council meetings and just throwing out whatever info we got from that. Cause they were just people who weren't going to sit up, sit on those benches until midnight just watching a bunch of bureaucrats argue with each other. Um, so we started throwing that out, out on Twitter, realized that no one else was really talking about the upcoming USL team kind of in a, in a dedicated way. So we actually met at the hospital two days after my daughter was born back in, uh, or I guess January, early January, 2018, um, decided to start a podcast and started that going into the USL season. Cause really, I mean, there were Tim, Tim Sullivan, Wes Bowling, and us. And, and that was really it who were, who were talking about the team. Um, obviously, more people have come in since then. Um, Wes actually was the one who kind of got me into writing. I, I started out throwing up player ratings threads on Twitter. And he's like, hey, that's cool. You should come write for my Golden Goal website. And and that lasted for a couple months before he before he got the radio gig and, and kind of uh, sunsetted that website. But it, it's just grown kind of organically. I think probably in the same way that I would say the team has um, just seeing an opportunity and jumping on it because no one else was doing it. One of the things uh, that I think has been really interesting about soccer media is uh, there there's, there's very little sort of in, in most markets, there's very little sort of institutional media. And mm-hmm. so, so like, for instance, I, I was telling Brandon this the other day, like, like if you grew up in the DC area and you had the Washington post, I mean, you had somebody like Steve Goff covering soccer, mm-hmm. uh, from from the minute DC United started in the nineties, it was covering the U.S. national team. Here, you didn't. Uh, yeah, you, you, there was there was no coverage of of the sport anywhere, uh, and not, not that there was the the. I mean, there were all these sort of nascent things, whether it was the Metros or whether it was Nashville FC or the USL incarnation or stuff like that. But it's not like there was a lot of institutional media. And I think that's true of soccer fans around the, uh, uh, in a lot of places. That yeah, that the media that sprung up is is largely ground up uh and yeah. I, I want you to to talk a little bit about when when you guys formed speedway so- speedway soccer kind of like when did you first know that you started you were getting feedback from people other than like kind of like the small circle of people that you know you and your friends talking soccer well yeah i mean i think it is i, I totally agree it's definitely like a ground up thing it's mostly done by either fans or people who are just passionate about the game and realize that no one is talking about talking about the game and someone should be. I mean, I I think like SB nation it's, that's been one of the, probably the biggest source of like independent coverage of each MLS team. And those are by and large, just people who like talking about the game and want a a place to do it. Um, I, I think for us, we, we knew that there was going to be interest in the team eventually um, and that there was probably a pretty small group of people who, who actually cared about it. And so we just kind of started talking to them and then trying to see how many other people we could get involved. Um, but I think that same kind of organic kind of ground up community, I, I would say soccer media in the U S really does a good job kind of supporting each other. Um, so when people like covering the rest of MLS, USL, just soccer in the US in general saw, hey, there's this podcast covering soccer in Nashville. I I was really surprised by how quickly they kind of started spreading the word and saying, hey, Nashville's coming to MLS. Here's a podcast you can you can listen to to start kind of getting involved now. And it, and it felt like that got shared around kind of way earlier than I would have expected. We got, I think Jeff Reuter for The Athletic was our second guest on the podcast uh, on our second episode. And so I I was just really surprised and really happy with how kind of supported we felt from people who were doing it professionally or at a way higher level than we were initially. And and yeah, I think that kind of support early on made a huge difference. And I I don't know if we would have stuck around doing it if we didn't get that. 
Can you walk through, and again, famously, the Nashville Predators had to like bring in Terry Crisp to like teach people about offsides, right? Um, famously, they had to do these these sort of seminars to to get hockey into Nashville. Obviously, a much deeper understanding of the game in the state of Tennessee and in our region before we ever got an MLS team. So mm-hmm. how so how do you how have you um I, I guess the balance between approachability, new fans that are sampling the game at Geodis now that it's built versus the diehards that know that they that we even owned a, a fan owned team back in 2014 yeah. and 15 and 16. Like how do you find the ability to appeal to both of those because it and we'll get to this, but traditional media simply cannot. It cannot sure. appeal yeah. to the diehard soccer fan. Well, I mean, I think, like you said, there's just a general knowledge of soccer that didn't exist with the Predators. Um, I mean, everybody's fairly familiar with the game just because of stuff like the World Cup. And I think the average American would probably at least tune in for a couple minutes of that. So they, I, I think they have some kind of like working knowledge or like prior relationship to soccer, even if it's at a super high, uh, not a super high level. Um, I think the accessibility of like European soccer means that there are just a ton of fans in Nashville who are watching soccer every week. Uh, like the Premier League, obviously, we have even before um, the USL team started, there was like a huge Facebook group with a couple thousand people um, just discussing the Premier League every week and meeting up at bars and stuff like that to watch games together. Um, I, I don't think the challenge has necessarily been like, OK, here's how offside works in soccer. Uh, explaining the rules like the Predators had to do, like getting people to even care about the game. It's more getting them to care about MLS when you have like the highest level of soccer at your fingertips. You can watch it from your couch every Saturday morning and getting people to not like quit that, to not like stop caring about their Premier League team, but to also be like, hey, we have a, a high level professional team in our backyard. There's a fully established league guys who are playing here before they go on to Europe and might end up like at a Newcastle or a Leeds or a team that you're already watching. You can go watch them in We're starting at a World Cup. Yeah, exactly. Or like you can watch a guy like Hani Mukhtar who's putting together some of the best seasons that we've seen in in MLS before. But like saying, I I guess trying to convince people that MLS is worth it. Because I think there is a working knowledge of soccer and there's already a, a preconceived notion of what MLS is from people who probably haven't watched it at all, just thinking it's significantly worse than whatever European leagues they're watching. And yeah, I mean, it's not at the same level, but it's, it's pretty good. And I think the pitch is trying to convince people that it's worth their time. Do you, can you try to take us through? Uh, so to go a little deeper into, cause like I, I listen to soccer content. I, mm-hmm. I think I, I listen to a couple different shows. Uh, obviously we love club and country. I like your show. Uh, forget radio for a second, but but digitally, you're allowed to go into the weeds on all this stuff. You you can start yeah. talking about GAM and all this other stuff. And like it can sound like to the cash, even somebody who likes soccer, it can sound like another language. I right. Mean, so, I, again, my my issue is I, I'm here. I, I am interested. I do want to be involved. But sometimes you lose me in the conversations. Sure. Let's just use me as like an avatar. I'm a cutout for like the 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 40 year old dad who's like taking his kids to Geodis and is like, man, I really like this. I've always liked soccer. I, I for whatever reason, I have never been able to like pinpoint a Premier League team that like is mm-hmm. connected to me for any, re- any reason. I've never been to England. That's probably part of this. But like getting me to appreciate the nuances and the subtleties, but also making sure you're you're still talking to the person who already understands all of that stuff that to yeah. me that to me is the most difficult task and i i do think it's interesting you point out like well we we we, we don't want to steal from the premier people we want to bring in new people i think that's an interesting dynamic yeah so i mean I, we don't want to stop people from supporting whatever team they already supported i think there are just there are barriers to entry in MLS that I don't think I don't think any kind of coverage is going to remove. I think a lot of it is just the way the league is structured, um, setting up like some of the most convoluted roster rules I have seen in any professional like in any professional sport. Um, and so I think like on playoffs some level, that change from year to year. Oh, my God. I, I, I went back I, this morning. I just calculated it. They this is the ninth time they have changed the playoff structure in 27 years. So. 
we'll get another change in three years. But I mean, so it's not I, the fan. It's not the fans' fault then to be confused. No, right? and I, it's not. And I, I think we can. We try to cover it like almost at like, I would say several different like levels. Like we have like just the general narratives that we try to talk about. Um, we do. I mean, and I think having written coverage kind of gives us a little bit of a little bit more room to do that. Like so, we can have in depth dives into Nashville's roster moves, and then also just talk about the game or talk about like if we think Hani Mukhtar is going to score 23 goals again the season or not. And and so I think having like written and podcast kind of gives us the ability to kind of give more levels of coverage for maybe like different levels of investment from fans. But yeah, I, I don't think the league has really set themselves up necessarily to for casuals to buy in when you, it almost feels like you have to have like an entire education in the league structure before you can really understand how it works on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so I'm interested to see how, and if they simplify some of that, especially with the world cup coming in 2026, it, it's a huge window to get people paying attention to soccer in their, in their backyard in general. But I think it needs not, it doesn't need to be dumbed down, but it needs to be simplified and just streamlined for people to, who probably want to care to feel like they, they can without investing a couple months to learn how it works before they start watching. Uh, Broadway sports uh, did, uh, did a poll this year um, uh, came out last week uh, surveying fans about soccer in Nashville. Uh, what was in that poll? And, and was there anything that surprised you uh, kind of from the results of it? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I was surprised at how many people responded. We, we threw it out and we were like, okay, we'll get maybe 50 and it's going to be like the same, like 50 people who like talk about the team all the time on every single social media platform. Because <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, it's it's a bigger group than that who cares about the team, but it, it, it we didn't go in with super high expectations. And we got, I think, 330 plus responses, which felt like a pretty good sample size. Um, and it just a variety of different backgrounds. Um, so I, we asked a bunch of different questions, um, how they perform on the field in the past three seasons, kind of expectations going into 2023. A little bit of that was tied into the, uh, the winter transfer window and kind of the roster building they've done ahead of this season specifically. Um, we talked about general media coverage, um, broke that down into national and local levels. And then just, how people feel about the stadium and supporters groups. Um, I was surprised at how happy people are with how the team has performed, because if you go into Twitter, it, it's just a cesspool of people complaining and, and saying it's not good enough. And I once think, again, Twitter, not real life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think it was more measured than I expected. Um, and I think it's, again, we got responses from a lot of people who aren't on online complaining or it just people who aren't otherwise actively like putting their ideas out there. Um, but I think it was a really interesting breakdown of kind of how the general fan feels about the team. It seems like they're overall impressed with how they've done so far. Um, realizing that expansion teams usually are bad and that Nashville wasn't, they like the stadium. They think that pieces are there to be pretty good and they just wish they would do a little bit more to kind of take that next step and not just be, pretty good but like elite and, and so i think i i don't really have any disagreements with kind of the overall the overall view that they took um but i think it was it was really fun we got way more people than we expected and I, we had kind of talked about doing it for a couple of years and just never never did it but i think it's going to be something we're, we're going to try to do before and after each season uh one, one of the things that popped up in there uh joe says really well parking does not do well at all yeah the best i think the best comment we got it's a great stadium that's next to impossible to get to which (laughs) pretty much sums it up i got to i got to park in lot nine for the she believes cup for the first time in in a year and a half as a season ticket holder i've never been able i've never been able to park in lot nine i got to park it it, it like one one percent it felt pretty special well it was it was about 43 percent fees from Ticketmaster, but it's fine it was no big deal um I'm curious about the evolution of because you talked about the team that they, they maybe want a little bit more. And we've talked a lot that the the hook for this particular season now in year four, there's no other big story around the team mm-hmm. yeah. other than just success on the field. That, that there needs to be sort of a continued push for success. Do you think that we have matured as a market to where expectations 
are going to create pressure, or do you still think we are, as Steve has called it in the past, the, the in the honeymoon phase, where again a lot of your responses are still pretty positive? Where, where do you think we are on the fan maturation scale right now? Yeah, I mean, I think on one hand, there is a sense that people are not not grateful to the team, but they're happy to have to be able to go and, and watch professional soccer in their city. And so I think there's kind of a baseline, maybe maybe not excitement, but just a, a realization that we didn't have this a couple of years ago. And so it's still a little bit new. I also think, I mean, the, the team has talked about this, that they're not going to sign a bunch of huge name European stars to try to get people in the door that they think the best way to get fans to keep showing up is to put a, a good team on the field and to win. And I think that's, like you said, this is the first year where that really matters. I mean, it, it's mattered before to an extent, but you could always say, well, this is the first year or like we're back now after COVID or, hey, we have our own stadium finally. And so I think people were more willing to forgive not winning because you had this kind of shiny new thing off the field that brought them in the door. Um and now if they if they don't win in year four or year five or year six, like you have the biggest soccer specific stadium in the country. People aren't going to show up every week. 30,000 people aren't going to show up every week to watch a bad team. So I think now the, the pressure is on the team to to kind of put their money where their mouth is. I mean, they've talked about being in the wanting to be in the top quarter of spending in the league um, and having ambitions to win. And I think fans haven't forgotten that and they still remember what. Ian Air said before the before the team ever started about how much they're going to spend, uh, and I think this could be the first year where you see fans really start holding them to their word um, and and kind of having maybe higher standards because I think there was uh, just fans in general for the first couple of years were, were maybe a little bit easier to for, forgive because of the newness, and I think that is starting to wear off. And now they remember all that, and and they realize that you have the league, the reigning MVP, you have maybe the best defender in the league who was a starter at the world cup and, and overall a pretty good team. And it, it, if you can't win now, I think fans are, are going to have complaints. And I think ultimately attendance is going to be what, what drives Nashville. If, if they're not winning and people don't show up, I, I think you're going to have to see some moves. I, I always wonder this about, uh, about teams that have a little more flash uh, and, and kind of what that means with a, what that means in terms of uh, in terms of a fan base and by flash i mean i mean specifically scoring mm-hmm. uh you know this is a this is a pretty it's a pretty tight team you know they're going to win a lot of 2-1 games you know they they won a bunch of 1-0 games uh kind of kind of in their in their mls history so far um do you think that do you think that i mean an american it's it's kind of a cliche to say that american fans love goals but at the same time I mean, there's there's a reason why cliches exist. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's there's an element of truth behind it. Do you think if this team scores more but doesn't do as well, that people will be happy with it? Maybe, and I, I mean, you'll probably make the playoffs either way. Um, so I think there's an element where it, the past couple of years it's been about okay, we can be competitive, and as long as we squeak into the playoffs, anybody can go on a run. And so I think maybe that that'll still exist. And I think maybe that even kind of gives gives teams a little bit more leeway now with what is it 18 of 29 teams making the postseason. Um but yeah I think people like goals. I, I still think they like winning more. I, I think the majority of the fan base if if Nashville wins a bunch of games one nothing is pushing for a top spot in the conference and the narrative becomes okay this team could win MLS Cup. I think people will show up to watch that. I don't know I don't know if it's the same level of attraction of attraction if they're losing every game four to three because they're still losing. So I think they like goals, but I, I still think winning trumps that. And I think fans will even put up with maybe a, a less than thrilling style of play if they're consistently getting results. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about national sports media and business. It is brought to you by Jaspers. Brought to you by Jaspers, folks. Now, I told you guys to go to Soup Sunday last week because Jaspers was going to be there. Okay, right? Do you eat all the soups? I tried every. Okay, we'll get to that. Okay, we'll get to that because I did. I tried every single stinking one. That being said, Jaspers was there. I told you to go to Jaspers because Jaspers supports the our kids' 
you know, ethos and, and they support the community and protects kids in the area. What was what was the Jasper soup? So they have a they had a I think it was called um, heated hearts. I think it was it was called. And it was like a creamy, spicy artichoke and like cheese soup. Damn. It was that sounds great. It was so effing good. Absolutely fantastic. Delicious. They delivered. It was, I think it was their first time out there, but they absolutely delivered. Those are the kinds of things you get at our kids and the kinds of people who support our kids are companies like Jasper's, which is why you support Jasper's because they do things for the community like soup Sunday. I, I was, I, I was, uh, I was helping out somebody else uh, there on soup Sunday and uh, didn't get a chance to get over and try Jasper's soup, which I'm kind of, I'm kind of half hoping uh, they put on the menu. now. <laughs> that sounds phenomenal. It was, it was actually had a little like shredded cheese on top or something. And it was like this creamy but spicy artichoke. Oh, so good. So wait, so wait. Now, now so you good. said you tried every you tried every soup at Soup Sunday. Mm -hmm. Did you go through the line on all of them, or did you eat them as you went? Oh, uh, you got to do a little bit of both. This cracks me up. I saw people going through the line, getting every single soup. And if if you've never seen, if you've never been there, they essentially give you like these like uh, recyclable cardboard, uh, like a shooter. Uh, little, little shooter size. Yeah containers full of soup and uh <laughs> i can't imagine spending like 45 minutes in line to go through all of the soups to get to the end and you got like 25 things of cold soup shooters there and now you're just gonna like knock them all back yeah it, that part is the tricky part is so what you have to do is you have to pick chunks of them there's a strategy to it and you got to break it up so that you're not in line the entire time also you can't carry like 35 soups in one tray well you can so. apparently i watched this one woman i like almost wipe out with, with, with a tray so, full of soups th this is one of the most so i was thinking about this because it's the first time i've gone as like a like a normal patron uh to this event i've always been working it for for our kids but um go to jasper's by the way um the, one of the things that uh, absolutely astonishes me because I do this too. You carry, if you fill up a tray, you can probably get to about 20 cups of soup on your tray. Yeah, the answer, I, the answer, is tw the answer is 24. I filled a tray with 24. 24? Okay. So about, yeah. that was close. That was pretty close. Yeah, that's pretty close. So it, it is astonishing to me. This is the 30th anniversary. I've gone, this is probably like my seventh one. It is astonishing to me that there has not been a, a complete interstate highway tractor trailer overturning of soup trays that's, that's take, i have never seen like an entire tray of eight of 24 soups dumped on the floor before the the, the trays it's not like it's not like you've got like the like the red plastic trays like if you're going through line at sweats or like cafeteria style when you're in kin else. when you're in kindergarten <laughs> yeah oh you know it, it is it, it was one of those uh it's one of those it's eco trays. it's eco-friendly yeah. It is eco-friendly, <laughs> and it is also not Chinette. I wondered, like, like what's what's the point at which the weight of that makes that a very shaky endeavor? Now, if you noticed, you're welcome, Tennessee Titans. If you noticed, although your stadium needs more than just a nice strip of carpet, um, if you noticed, there nice was a strip of field. By the way, did you see? Did you look through there and see the fact that the field is all? Yeah, they're well, laying they're going, down a they're yeah, laying down the first layer for uh, putting for the new turf in. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was some like what amounted what amounts to like plastic tarps that were clear that I were down. That. I wonder if maybe there was a spill that I missed somewhere along the way because I feel like that's a new implementation. Mm -hmm. I have never yeah, I've never seen like a true overturning car wreck of a soup tray accident. I've never seen it in seven years. And I'm and I see people like young young people, old people, and everybody in between carrying around trays of Do literally two dozen cups of soup some of them have like cotton candy in them some have corn in them some of them have like this uh, cornbread sticking out like there's just stuff everywhere delicious soups i've never seen like a true accident and i'm utterly surprised and shocked that that's happened that's that, that's not happened at soup sunday so Und still undefeated our kids by the way and jaspers so go to jaspers everybody go to jaspers There's two large factors with coverage uh, that I think are, are at play here. One is MLS is sort of 
I don't want to call it like fifth or sixth or fourth or fifth, wherever in the United States sort of hierarchy of, of, of pro football being <laughs> the most dominant thing in the world, um, in our country, I should say. Um, so there's this sort of, again, I, I word non-traditional as a badge of courage. I think you should as well. Uh, non-traditional coverage of a non-traditional sort of power sport, but also in a market that's not Philadelphia, Chicago, Dallas, New York. We, we are also in a, a sort of a, a, an emerging market. Uh, do you feel the pull of like, I don't want to say like hot take radio, but clickbait style where like, do you feel the pull of we are growing, the market's growing, the fan base is growing, the product is getting better. There are more soccer fans today than there have ever, ever been before. Do you feel the pull of that stuff to sort of like, you know, hey, we need to get... We, we, we know what gets in engagement. We know what drives traffic. We know Gary Smith's on the hot seat. He should be fired. Like, <laughs> like, do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, do you ever feel the pull of, look, we're at a critical mass here and we just need to get, we, we've got a chance to kind of push over the top in terms of attention. And there's a lot of ways to do that on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you ever feel that pull or is it, Hey, no, we're going to grow our audience because we are being so authentic and in, in conversation. Like what, what, do you have, do you feel that force at, at all at play? Yeah, no, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure I've ever thought of it like that. Um, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy getting engagement. I mean, I think I put up just I threw together stupid preseason predictions like for the league table and threw those up on Twitter and was just like muted notifications and came back a couple of days later and it had blown up and a bunch of people were mad at me because I had their teams too low or whatever. And I, so, I mean, stuff like that's fun. Um, but I, I don't know if I've ever felt like just throwing off a bunch of hot takes is a great way to do that in the long term. I mean, I, I think it'll definitely lead to short term engagement. Um, and then it's also way easier to get called out for having no idea what you're doing when, you, when you're just throwing out hot takes like Gary Smith should be fired and then they end up finishing third in the Eastern Conference or whatever. <laughs> um, so I think in the short term, that's probably it might be attractive to some people, but I still think like long-term, the long-term view is better. Um, and if you build a, like a reputation from being consistent and for like trying to cover the facts as best you can, um, I think people are still drawn to that in the long, in the long term. And I just, I don't think there's enough of that. I mean, we've, we've talked about like local and national coverage of, of, I mean, Nashville SC or MLS in general. And I, I just don't think there are enough people who are doing like the legwork and covering the day-to-day -day boring stuff um, and trying to do that like in a balanced way. I think there are a lot of people who like throwing out hot takes anyway. And so I don't know. I don't feel like that's necessarily a, a void that needs to be filled. In, in which case, well, let me, let me follow up on that. Cause one of the, one of the big complaints in your poll was about lack of sort of traditional coverage on let's call it sports talk radio. Sure. And, and the way Sports talk radio works is is anxiety and enragement and engagement and debate and again hot takes. So like, should we be telling the fans that are complaining that they don't get enough coverage on sports talk radio that it's a good thing that they're not getting enough coverage on sports talk radio? Like, isn't there some weird inverted way to look at this and say no? The the idea of again, I mean, if the Titans are going to get that kind of coverage because it's the NFL, sure. but like, is there not a weird way to talk to some of those folks and say, look, if if you do want soccer coverage on the radio in traditional forms, it's going to sound a lot different than a nuanced conversation about formation or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like there might be, there has to be some kind of middle ground. Um, and I mean, I'll obviously defer to you because you, you know what you're talking about with sports radio way more than I do. I, I think there's, there is an element where people want to be able to turn on the radio and hear occasional occasional coverage of Nashville SC mixed into whatever Titans and, and SEC talk there is. So, so I get that, but like at the same time, I mean, you'll, you'll attest to this. The numbers aren't there and stations aren't going to talk about, about a team knowing that half the people listening are going are to turn the radio off because they don't care. Um, so I don't know. I, I think Atlanta to me stands out as one of the the few markets where radio coverage has worked um i i know jason longshore jason longshore is one of the best out there um and i've i've been really impressed with how i mean they'll send their they'll send their full radio crew out to the atlanta united preseason training camp and do like full days of coverage from there 
and so I'm, I'm with the, even that instance, I'm not sure if it's like a chicken and an, the eggs scenario. Like if the, if the interest in Atlanta United is so high because they got these kind of media outlets to buy in early and, and give it this coverage, or if they jumped on it because they knew people were interested and they were selling 60,000, 60,000 tickets a game, excuse me, 60,000 tickets a game. So I'm not sure which came first or if there's some middle ground, but yeah, I just, I think in Nashville, when you have, the Titans and the Vols and the Predators and all kinds of other stuff to talk year round to a much bigger audience. I, I, I get that it probably doesn't make sense to give it that kind of coverage on the radio. You, you should have seen Steve's text to me um, about sports talk radio on Monday after Messi won the world cup. You should have seen, he was, he's very frustrated, very struck frustrated with the lack of conversation about Argentina. I mean, like I get the it. Preds, I wish... the, the Preds don't even get that much talk on sports. Talk. The I Preds mean, and, don't, aren't talked about. Like I wish they would. T- I wish people would talk about it more, but I also get that it just, it doesn't make sense. It's a, it's a business and it's a numbers game. And I, I think that's probably the downside of being the, the third or fourth most popular league in already a mid-market team where you have the Titans in, in the Vols year round to talk about. Well, it's, it's what happens when a, when a formula dominates a medium. And, sure. and, right. and, right. and as long as that, as long as the formula dominates the medium, uh, it, you, you're going to, I think you're going to continue to get those results. Kind of, but speaking of kind of like the medium, the, the TV coverage is switching this year. Yeah. You know, the league signed a 250, uh, sorry, $2.5 billion deal with Apple. Um, um, we, we, we talked about it on here before, you know, Jamie Watson and, uh, Tony husband, got called up to the mothership and they're going to, are going to call national games and I'm, I'm thrilled for them. Uh, but it's, it, it, it's interesting. You know, there's not going to be a local TV feed. Uh, if people want, if people want to watch local games, they're going to have to go subscribe to Apple TV. Uh, and, and, and maybe that means, you know, the game's not going to be on in bars or whatever else. What do you, what, what do you make of the deal and kind of like how people are going to consume, uh, consume MLS and Nashville SC and, and do you, do you think, what do you think the learning curve is going to be like? Yeah, I think it's going to be a big learning curve. Um, I think it's a big swing by the league and by Apple. Um, and I, to me, one of the most interesting parts of the deal is that it is 10 years um, with the world cup coming in, in 2026, they're kind of marrying themselves to Apple for another couple of years, even after that is over. Um, so when, Initially, I kind of thought they would do some kind of deal up until the World Cup and then let them like kind of use that as negotiation to to pick up a massive deal after that. So I'm interested to see how that works out. I mean, I think the availability of games is still going to be huge. I think it's 40 percent of games that are in front of the Apple TV paywall, um, which is more than than you would have got with whatever ESPN plus or the the prior deal. I think it's more going to be getting people to figure out how to how to watch games or directing them to to apple's product um i don't know if the local like i i have no idea what the ratings are for the average local tv mls market i don't imagine there were a massive amounts of people tuning into my tv 30 yep so i don't know if they're worried about losing a ton of people um I know they did just sign a deal with DirecTV so they can get it into bars and everything. Um, so I don't think that element is necessarily going to change. But from a league perspective, the production quality is going to jump up exponentially. They're going to have dedicated studio shows to the entire league that they never had before. So I think the content is going to be better. The money that the league is getting is better than they were getting um, before. So I think it makes sense. And they're betting on their demographic that it's a – I see younger audience who are watching games on their phone anyway, who probably mostly use iPhones anyway, um, and that it's going to be easier for them to pivot to this and probably easier for them to watch it on Apple TV than it was on ESPN and whatever over the whatever streaming service they were using anyway. So I think it it makes sense. It's a big risk, but I think it could pay off. And I think in the long run, it's probably going to be a plus for for the league, at least. It is a it is a podcast version of a broadcasting partnership is what yeah. is what it is what it is like it's it's harder to find the barrier to entry is a little bit trickier the audience might not be as large because you're not picking up as many casuals but you are going to over cater to the people that care the most mm-hmm. with it with again even more stuff than we've ever had before with like studio shows about sure. the, about the game so i i do find it like it is a it is extremely non-traditional in the same sense that a podcast is 
And I would say probably the same in the same sense that soccer in the U.S. has been non-traditional. So I, I think they might just be leaning into it. Um, yeah, I mean, even just looking at the they broadcast a handful of preseason games last week and I tuned in for a couple minutes and the, the studio show was fine. It was their their smallest studio that because they, I mean, I think they literally just finished building out the, the main studio earlier this week. But the broadcast quality for a, a random preseason game between New England and Orlando, like within a minute or two, the camera work was better. The production value was exponentially better. Um, so I think fans who were already watching are going to be excited because they're they're going to get the same stuff that they already liked more of it and at a better quality. Um, and, and we've seen Apple just their their marketing department. They they know what they're doing. So I think their Apple is going to be pushing this as like the only major sports league they have an, exclu- an exclusive deal with. So I, I think it's going to grow. It's just going to be a learning curve for everybody. The you in addition to writing for Broadway sports slash speedway soccer, you also uh, you also write for MLS uh, yep. and you guys have had conversations about kind of like, all right, what's the, what's the TV deal going to mean for, for, for you guys? What do you, do you have any sort of sense of kind of like how, uh, how things are going to be shared yet or kind of like what's going to be available or, or is that uh, in terms of like clips or uh, kind of things to be, uh, things to be shared on social media or, or, or what's going to be available yet? I think that's still kind of just a work in progress. I mean, I think this whole, the first couple months of the season are kind of just going to be a learning curve for everybody. I mean, even us figuring out how our, how our coverage is going to work on game nights. Um, I think it's pivoting to feel to, to, to go to coverage based on like what fans are excited about um, and, and to watch games from that perspective um, and to just kind of figure out what people are talking about anyway and what they want to, what kind of content they want to consume. And I think that's kind of what, the whoop around show is going to do for Apple TV. Um, I think a lot of what, I don't even know what video, what all kind of weekly video segments they're going to be putting out, but I think it's going to be kind of more like fan based, um, figure out narratives that people want to hear and talk about those. And I think it's, I mean, I think that's kind of how coverage in general is moving anyway. Um, but particularly with Apple, I think it's just going to be a lot of figuring out what people are excited about and what they want to hear about and how we can, give that to them in, a, in an, an engaging way. It, it does feel like, and I think the premier league has figured this out, but it does. And the NBA is the best at this where they, yeah. th- they, they have figured out how to take the three exciting moments in a, a, a blowout garbage, regular season NBA basketball game that very few people watched. And they figure out how to make it look like the most exciting, coolest thing in the world on Instagram. And I, yeah. I, I, I like they figured this out a long time ago. And I think, I think that would soccer lends itself to that as well. Uh, You've got these extraordinary moments of brilliance and figuring out a way to push that out to your consumers more often. Uh, And even though it may be surface level, it, it, it still draws a lot of attention and they got to learn from the NBA on this one, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think even too like you have an additional, like with soccer, you can pull from fans, I think more than you can in any other league, like, or any other sport. Like you can say, Hey, look at this cool TIFO that they unveiled before the game or check out this chant that whatever Houston, uh, not that there are a ton of Houston fans, but that Houston came up with during like, so I, I think there are more <laughs> avenues to pull from. Um, it's going to be, I, I think it's kind of a learning curve for everybody. I mean, for us writing for MLS, for the Apple TV broadcasters, um, for, for the studio crews that they have, I think it's going to be kind of, um, Maybe a bit of a learning curve to start with, but I'm I'm really excited to see where it goes because I think this is the most dedicated coverage MLS has ever had, um, and so for for us MLS sickos, I think we're pretty excited about it. Uh, other than other than college football fans, I can't think of a more aesthetically sort of um, engaging cr- group of fans yeah. than than soccer fans. Yeah, like it's it's not even close. Ben, we appreciate you giving as uh, much time to us here as you have. Uh, I, I do want to get you on the record for a couple of things here okay, uh, at, the start, at the start of the season. Mm. Uh, one should Gary Smith be fired. <laughs> what, 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 what kind of, what kind of season do you think uh national is going to have? Uh, is, is this a, is this a playoff team or is this a contending team? And, and secondly, uh home openers coming up. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I'm optimistic that they will be NYCFC because I think NYCFC just completely gutted their roster in the off season and, 
I have no idea what they're doing and I'm not sure anyone does. Um, so I think at least Nash to start with Nashville has a lot more stability and kind of a general idea of how they're going to, how they're even, how their lineup is going to look. I, I think they should be able to win. Um, as far as this season, I don't know. I don't, I think it's going to be pretty much what we saw last year. Um, minus a lot of the travel and in a more familiar conference. So I think they will be pretty good defensively. I think Hani Mukhtar is as much of a sure thing as there is in the league. And I think he'll be pretty good. Um, and then it's kind of a lot of question marks outside that. Like, can anybody else score? Um, can, yeah, that's the, that's the big one. Can like someone else besides Hani Mukhtar score more than five goals? Um, I think right now I'm, I think they'll probably be fourth, fifth, six somewhere in that range they should comfortably be a playoff team but not one of the elite teams i think if they somehow open up a dp spot and take a big swing in the summer and if it pays off i think they could be i don't think they're that far away from going from a, a good team to a really good team and i i'm interested to see how ambitious they are in the summer i think that's gonna that's gonna be the big kind of key point for them well i can't wait for all of you uh, soccer writers to explain to us how that all works Roster, Real quickly, you have another hour. I can I can yeah, give it to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a bunch of scar. If if you're listening to this, there's a bunch of scarves hanging behind uh, behind Ben's head here. Uh, is that a is that a Norwich scarf? What's the? No, it's uh, the uh, it's the Glazers out Manchester United red uh, <laughs> yellow and green scarf. I was yeah. going to say I, I knew you were a Manchester United fan. That uh, yeah, it's the old uh, Newton Heath scarf that they kind of used as a as a protest against the Glazers. That's great. I love yeah. that. I mean, I hate maybe not the United, greatest time to, but that's a to fantastic. have that up with ownership changes <laughs> probably happening, but yeah. Um, ben, thank you so much. We do appreciate it. Um, you guys are great. We appreciate it. Enjoy the season and uh, we'll see what the fan base does this year. Um, depending on where this team is, if they're near that top end of that four through six or at the bottom end of that four through six, we'll see how the fans react. It should be fun. Uh, and obviously, it's uh, uh, the season is here. So go out on Saturday and get yourself some tickets and go watch the game. Uh, thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Thanks. This was fun. That was Ben Wright of Speedway Soccer and Broadway Sports Media. And I, I do think, like I asked him about the pull of like traditional clickbaity hot take stuff that drives engagement and is what sort of how mainstream media is governed for lack of a better phrase. And like, I always find myself feeling that pull and having to kind of consciously fight against it to try to maintain what we want to do on each episode of each show, whether it's lamestream or the gold standard or check out fringe element or maybe club and country, or, you know, possibly a football show or football and other F words or, you know, any of those podcasts, um, any of those possible, <laughs> just but, if you happen to be listening, but the whole point of a podcast is to spend time having a thoughtful conversation with topics that are very complex and that doesn't work in regular mainstream social media or radio or even like, you know, old newspaper it doesn't work anymore. And so I think you should be excited and happy that we have such a healthy, non-traditional market in Nashville. But also, I don't think soccer coverage or Preds coverage can get better than it does in the podcast or digital form. I think it, that is the best possible way to cover teams like SC and the Preds that are never going to get the mainstream ratings. I think you shouldn't complain because people were complaining to Ben about not getting enough coverage and national and like, no, 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 no. You should want it like the way it is right now because it's never it can't. I think this is the best it can be is is true long form conversations, digital conversations about SC and about the Preds. I, I agree. I, I don't think that, that we did nothing to disagree. Okay. With All right. Nothing I, to add there. Nothing. Not, <laughs> I don't That's think why it's, it's the best commentator in the business. Again, Va yeah, Vanderbilt, Van Vanderbilt Sports, same thing. VandySports.com podcast right here on the 440 Sports Network. Uh, best place to get Vanderbilt content is probably from them, not from anywhere else. Um, all right. So the Apple TV contract is interesting to me because it's a very, we've talked about it. It's a very clear strategy to potentially limit their audience and, and, and sort of put up a, a, a higher barrier to access through Apple TV to get to the MLS games they, that people want to watch. But they're going to cater at a much higher level. This is the athletics version of a TV rights broadcast, right? And the Pac-12 is is a is a conference that is struggling to get a media partner to pony up big dollars, and so they have taken interest from both Amazon and Apple TV. I'm curious what you think, Steve. I think it works with MLS because of where MLS is in our sports diet and in the sports hierarchy. I think it works. 
you're catering to a smaller audience, but at a high, high quality level. I wonder if the Pac-12, which does not draw a lot of ratings, frankly, with USC and UCLA leaving, it would never work for any big football brands. But I'm curious if you think it would work for a Pac-12 conference that, you know, could you could you cater to them in a higher quality way, maybe limiting your audience instead of saying like, hey, for far less money, let's put games on at 1130 Eastern time on ESPN. On the one hand, anything's better than the tire fire that is the Pac-12 media rights deal right now. I mean, it's you like literally can't find games unless you're in this kind of hard paywalled environment. So in the sense of could they get more money and could they could they get a higher quality under a similar uh, setup with Apple? Sure. They might even have they might even have better access because you could do it from anywhere in the anywhere in the world. Right. But I, I think college football still has enough broad appeal that, yeah. you know, that, it, that there is a there is a broadcast deal to be made that, that puts them on the ESPNs or it puts Linear. them on Fox. You know, I mean, puts them on the Fox networks. There's still really interesting. I hate saying this about well, about college programs, but I mean, there's still really interesting brands in the in the Pac-12 for, for now. Um, what, what's interesting is the reports are that ESPN is the only other television partner in, in, in the game with the Pac-12 right now. It's Amazon, Apple, and ESPN because ESPN wants to fill literally their 10.30 Eastern time time slot with a West Coast option. And the report is they are hundreds of millions of dollars away. And so the question is, should they go streaming and go exclusively streaming and come away from linear and do some experiment the way the MLS is doing the experiment. Now, here's my question for you. Where is the line? Who's above the line in American sports? Who's below the line? Like I could see SEC baseball doing something like this that would be like that you could probably put on an Apple TV product product and say SEC baseball games all year long for all 14 teams, soon to be 16, are on this one subscription model. I don't know if NHL is doing it. You basically called baseball a Ponzi scheme last week on the show. So I don't know if baseball could do it. I don't. Where's the line in American sports where you're going to be willing to pay? I think football is still most forms of football are still above that line. I mean, I, have, I agree. I agree. We, we have competing spring leagues on television here coming up. I mean, XFL is already on, which by the way, those X, I watched some of those XFL broadcasts over the weekend because, you know, I'm sick and the production was really good. But like Bally's is bankrupt because $26.99 for the Grizzlies, the Hawks and the Predators wasn't good enough. Yeah. Right. Like it didn't work. Now, I think Apple yeah. TV will do a far better job production value wise <laughs> than Bally Sports would ever do. I don't know where the line is. I, I think football is still above that line. Oh, it, and, by a million percent, yes. And and, and every, everything else is kind of like, you could probably say college basketball is still above that line. The NBA is above that line. I don't know where the NHL is right now. Um, I mean, I, I've watched a fair amount of non-Preds NHL. I mean, the problem is, like, how do I watch Preds NHL? Yeah. Not, not that they're necessarily worth watching right now, but I mean... <laughs> The the home deals are bad. I think this MLS Apple thing is one of the most fascinating media rights experiments of our generation. I do I do too, and particularly if they innovate with it. I mean, particularly if they start pulling in, you know, like we mentioned, uh, home radio calls as substitution for for the broadcast feed, or uh, you know, if they're I I cannot emphasize this enough. Setting the high standard for what the for what the visuals on screen look like is such a big deal it is such a big deal and we we, we talked about this with ben but from once the premier league went to nbc and yeah. once the one and once they started putting uh, i mean real production value into it it is yeah yeah i mean i watched the fucking wolves against i forget who they were playing somebody maybe bournemouth uh, over the weekend I can't. It was one of the one of the kind of bottom tier teams. the The game was just the, the game was just so good. It was so well done. I didn't care that you know these were kind of crappy teams that I didn't really have any investment in. Well, and talk about their their TV rights deal. I think was 10x what it was before for NBC. I think something yeah. like that. Um, like it went from like whatever 200 million to like two billion. I I just think because Amazon did a good job. There's a, so there's a couple quick 
quick notes here with the streaming options. It is just still a thousand times easier to switch from ESPN to Fox watching two college football games than it will ever be to go from Amazon to Apple. That's right. just always going to be the that's always going to be a problem until they're all bundled together. I don't know, like a cable provider. <laughs> the difference being, of course, that you don't need any of the shit that the cable provider needs. Actual coax, actual boxes. All you need is a, a really good router and you're good to go. Now, Amazon, I thought, did a pretty good job of production value on their Thursday night games. But well, I mean, because they st- because it was NBC doing the production, right? Because but flipping back and forth, right? Like that was the key. Is like, oh, if I was going to watch a college game or I'm watching something else, it, the, it's the flipping back and forth and a little bit of a delay, which has come down. It used to be like a three minute delay. Now it's like a thirty second delay. YouTube TV is a little bit more delayed than than Twitter is, right? So I don't know how you deal with that, but like it's those are small hurdles. Those are small hurdles that eventually we're we're going to eliminate from the experience. I'm trying to rem- I'm trying to remember where I read this. Somebody talking about kind of like experimenting with uh, with an app that lets you basically queue up multiple streams, so that if you are if you are a switcher like that and you were switching between streams, like that's that's how it works. The technology is not there yet. Just don't cross but, your streams. Just don't, don't do that. Don't. Don't cross, cross the streams. streams, but the but the but like that's the I mean that's sort of like the last impediment to like you know people yep. like me people like me who are, are really bad with a remote in their hand. And I I have a from, from channel to channel. I have a Sony 4K TV that is probably like eight years seven years old, and it and it has I can hit the home button and it brings up all my apps right in one place, and it's literally just one extra button click, <laughs> right like. On a cable provider, DirecTV, Xfinity, whatever, you're going to have to push like one button previous to get to the next show and go back a channel. This is literally like one button, one button, let it load for a second and then get back to your new channel. So there will be a way that they figure out how to toggle between the apps much faster. That person who invents that app is going to be like, that's the new Google of TV, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Um, but that's all that they're the only thing that's holding this back is sort of the last couple of tiny parts of the user experience. And when those couple of things are fixed, they're the ones with all the money, guys. <laughs> Silicon Valley has all the money. They're going to have a lot more of these rights than than this ain't going anywhere. Live sports is still the guaranteed guaranteed advertising tune-in model. Worth noting uh uh what we what Ben mentioned kind of in the in the show about DirecTV, I think last week they signed a deal that basically puts it in bars. So bars can now subscribe to a commercial package. Doesn't mean it's going to necessarily be on in your bar or, but they, they can subscribe to what is essentially a version of, uh, of season pass or, you know, like, like Sunday ticket or, or something like that, that, that allows the, and I think what you're going to see is soccer bars, that have that that, that cater to those fans who are coming in, whether they're Nashville C fans or whether just like soccer in general, uh, kind of picking up that package. I didn't see what the price was on it. Things are typically a little bit um, well; they're more expensive. Way, way, way more expensive than the than the than the home the yeah. home version uh, across the board. Like for every subscriber and every every business. Um, all right. Well, I, listen, the season's getting started. I know the weather's supposed to be terrible on Saturday, so I hope everybody stays dry at the game. Uh, I'm trying to go uh, uh, as a season ticket holder. I get my season pass, so I'm good to go uh, on that. But um, listen, non-traditional coverage of this team is absolutely still the way to go. The best people talking about Nashville SC are not going to be in the mainstream media because they're busy talking about Music City Baseball. So um <laughs> that's for you that's for you big guy thanks man appreciate that um otherwise sign up for good journalism uh steve have you had any time to do anything else other than interview new mayoral candidates no uh i i've i've not uh, so uh if you go to and sign up uh for stories in your inbox you'll have two long interviews coming up one with fran bush former school board member who is uh, getting in the race. And then uh, Jeff Yarborough, we're going to go, there were two, we started doing these uh, in December when Sharon Hurt got in the race and people really, people really liked being able to kind of, kind of hear candidates in, in a, you know, in a non-truncated fashion. You mean like, you mean like, 
a long, nuanced conversation. Yeah, uh, going and going into detail about kind of what, like, why they were running and what the issues that they saw. And so, I just think it's a really good introduction to to candidates. And so, uh, we're going to circle back. Uh, we've we're lining up uh, interviews with uh, Freddie O'Connell, who got in the race first, and then Matt Wilshire, who got in after that, and then Alice Raleigh just announced today that she has filed her treasurer form. So she's, she's definitely in the, in the race. Um, I, I would like to make an announcement, Steve. Sure. You're I running for like, mayor. I would like to announce that I'm running for mayor. Great. I'm not going to file any of the paperwork. It's going to be a problem with that, but I'll take, hey, you're votes. not going to get on the ballot. No, write me in, man. Just and write me in. No, no. I mean, you, if you want to be a write in, you have to file as a write in. You can't, okay, you I'm can't filing, just say write I'm, in. I'm, if, I'm filing if, as a write in. And here's my entire platform. The day after the Super Bowl is a day off. And we're going to stay on daylight savings time permanently. Those are my only two. T- t- those are my only two issues. I uh, let, let me uh, let, let me uh, let me throw this at you. Super Bowl Saturday. How do you feel about that? No, no, that's not a right idea. Super Bowl Sunday. Why? Mon- Monday is a day off. Also, maybe you know what? If I'm feeling a little greedy, July fifth is a day off because kids stay up and watch fireworks, and then everybody has to go to work the next day. It's stupid. July fifth is a day off. Super Bowl Monday is a day off and daylight savings time permanently. No changing time zone. No changing times ever again. I bet you no. I win. I bet you I win at least 3%. You do not have my vote. Oh, come on. Those, are, pretty, those are important vote. issues. Those multiple are issues. You do not have my <laughs> those vote. Those are important issues. All right. We are at, uh, we are taping this in the afternoon on Thursday at around 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. How many candidates are there technically in the race right now? Eight. Awesome. Go to NashvilleBanner.com. <laughs> I did have I was had I had a conversation on the, the, the playground the other day with somebody who's like, I don't know how where to find good information about what's going on. I said NashvilleBanner.com. So go check it out. And if you need a good place to watch the Preds, have a good beer, not pay for parking, have a great burger, have a game room to watch your kids and not interrupt you and in, in the spouse. Jaspers. Jaspers is your spot. So go to Jaspers, everybody. Go check it out. For Steve Cavendish, I'm Braden Gold. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening. Share the show. Give us your money. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.